Welcome to New Stars, where unsigned musicians, singers and songwriters can be found. Today I caught up with Irish singer, songwriter and musician Dara and rummaged around to find more about this artist and what inspires him. Coming up... I'm Neil Clark. Please welcome Dara. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. We're just doing it. Anyone that's actually tuning in, we're just we're just doing an amazing interview here. So get into it. You're a musician. I am. You're a singer, songwriter. Where did it start? Um, I very early on down the road. Um, just just had music in me really. From from a, my dad was really bang into music. Do you know what I mean? And uh, mum was there. Mum mum had a, they had an amazing record collection from sort of like you know, mid-60s kind of rock and roll to sort of jazz and stuff. So I had a really good, um, you know, a really good upbringing. My mum was also a musician. She played piano. Um, she taught me how to play the boogie-woogie at a really young age. So I had that left-hand thing going. She was amazing. My mum was incredible, uh, really amazing musician as well. And, um, yeah, I just got – she just really encouraged me. My mum really encouraged me. She was the one, really, that, you know – gave me a thought that actually you know this was this was a cool thing to wow. do she she bought me a drum kit when i was like 10 like a premier a premier drum kit and so you know and didn't she never minded about the noise you know like i'll be in the front room just banging these drums do you know what i mean never had any lessons just try, just had a natural kind of vibe going on but she never complained and then you know a few a few years later uh she bought me a she lent me the money uh, to buy my first studio. So yeah, I had, she gave me money, lent me enough money to buy a little 12 track um, with a Tascam 38 reel to reel half inch tape and and a, and a W30 Roland keyboard, which are still they're like they're just the most awesome. They're still awesome keyboards, man. Uh, the Prodigy, you know Neil uh, Liam uh, Howlett swears by the w30s even today they still use them live so i was lucky you know in respect i had my mum there to to sort of support um and then then making like you know demos and and, and I, in between that i was playing in bands as well um you know in various different lineups in in brighton playing supporting right into my reggae at that point so we were supporting reggae bands like steel pulse and you know misty and roots and uh, yeah, just having a bit of a fine time, really, to be honest with you. Um, and then I got, um, I moved to London uh, when I was like 19, and then got signed to Chrysalis with a house act called Taste of Paradise. And uh, and then yeah, just got into production from that point onwards. And yeah, so yeah, I mean, obviously I've made records and had a few hits and this, that, and the other. And um, here we all are having a jolly good time, aren't we? So I was going to I was going to ask, have you ever thought about going? I mean, you've probably been asked this by by other um, um, interviewers before, but have you ever thought about going onto something like Brings Got Talent or the X Factor or anything like that? Or um, no, um, no, I'd never. It's just you know what I just think that uh, you know if you've got something to say, if you like, we talked about being an artist. If you've got something to say. Um, 
then I think you've got to be careful of where you say it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if you if you do if you do a show like Britain's Got Talent, you know they they're looking at they're looking at a certain kind of type of entertainer. Do you know what I'm saying? That is a Saturday night crowd pleasing kind of thing, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? That I and mean, this isn't me being disrespectful, but yeah, those they're not there to make you want to think. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not art. They're not performers that. You see, the thing is, there's a bracket that goes on. You've got artists that are perform, like I'm a performer and I'm a songwriter, but I'm an artist at the core of it. So I've got. It's more important for me to to be able to put some, you know, what I put into those songs, which is like storylines that are about people and people's lives and how things can be better if we if we work in a certain way. And I just felt I've always felt that sort of like, you know, if I was to do that, that it would basically it would basically sort of like sell out the message to a degree where I don't think you'd be taken that seriously afterwards. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, you know, I'd rather hold out for some vehicle that allows me to basically be who I am and say what I want to say and. We talked earlier about being signed, you know, when you're signed to a major record company as an artist, there's certain things you can't you can't do anymore. There's certain things you can't say. There's certain things that, you know, you struggle against because it is a battle. You're working for somebody else and that somebody else is pretty Mm -hmm. much, you know, telling you what they want you to do because they're your employee or your employee employees so you've got to fill in that you put your card in and you you check in and you check out you do your recordings and if it, if if the sort of the so-called executive producer says that that's okay then you get a pass and your record goes out if you don't play the game then sadly you don't get you know you don't get the opportunity to be on top of the pops because they won't put the money into you or whatever show it is that you're trying to get on or however you're going to work because it's not about it's not about it's not really about basically people saying anything that might challenge where we are mm-hmm. as a society. Yeah. They don't like artists like that don't exist anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm quite happy to play in front of three people for the rest of my life and and be honest to that. I can look though I can look you in the eye. I can look you lot in the eye. And say that I've never ever sold out. I've never ever sold out. I've never ever done something that I didn't truly 100% believe in. I didn't, unless a record company based. And look, even when we signed this deal, I did this record. You know what I mean? Like, there's a subliminal message behind that track. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, I didn't sell out even when I was signed because I was still writing things that I felt were important. Although we ended up falling out with them because. They wanted us to do certain things and be take that, and I didn't want to be take that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I wanted take to be take this. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean? So you know, to, to to you know, that was a long kind of answer about going on Britain's Got Talent, but that's not a vehicle that would work for me unless I, you know, unless you went in there and just sort of did a Sex Pistols tribute, <laughs> just to sort of now I could, live I could honestly see you bit. doing something like that. To be you know what I'm saying, <laughs> you got to do. Yeah, I mean, that's the. If you were going to do Britain's Got Talent, then you've got to go on there and be the antithesis to what they actually want. 
and that would make it funny and interesting, and you could go on there and and just take the complete yeah. piss out of the whole thing, like Lee Evans did with the Jewish rapper. You know, that's the way you go on to Britain's Got Talent. You've got to do it and rip it apart for what for what it is, which is just it's just basically kind of like entertainment that doesn't challenge people's way of thinking unless you go on there and do something that challenges the way people think. You see what I'm saying? So I've just if if anyone's watching, I've just probably killed my kind of complete uh, career. <laughs> my T V will not have me on their station. <laughs> now you've travelled about a bit, haven't you? Okay. I mean, you've you've gone from uh, Sydney, Australia, Auckland, New Zealand, Brighton to London. Where did you start from, and where did you end up? Because I mean, you, I t- you know, you're down in um, South Country now, aren't you? Yeah, we're down. We're, we're in a we're in a lovely little place in the middle of kind of nowhere. Um, I started off in Brighton. Well, actually, I was born in Dublin, and then we moved to London, and then I moved to Brighton when I was about four or five, and uh, went to school there, um, and then sort of left, went back to London when I was 19, got signed to Chrysalis, like I said, and and then uh, mid, sort of mid-90s, then I floated out to Australia because we had a record out there that was doing quite well, um, and then I spent a few years out in Australia doing production for Festival Records and BMG remixing sort of a lot of people their rock kind of acts um and uh tears for fears uh frankie goes to hollywood those kind of dudes and then i came back to england when labor got in and thought <laughs> thank you really I thought, oh my God, we said we was going to do politics but hey we, we just entered that now <laughs> I came back to england thinking it was going to be all swing in london again and uh, there'd be grants for sort of artists and uh, and then i was sadly kind of like mistaken that you know, Labour basically, again, just like the Tories sold us out, you know what I mean? And uh, and then sort of, yeah, but then ended up setting up Cushy D Records, went back to us, no, went back to Australia again, toured a bit, went out to America for a bit, and then came back and set up Cushy D Records. Obviously. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I did like travelling, yeah. but then it just got a bit weird mm. after sort of 9-11, didn't it? It just became a bit harder. Do you know what I mean? I in the nineties, you could you just jumped off one plane, and jumped on another one, and you know, no one. It was very easy to sort of to get about. It wasn't like you know you were, you know, lining up and being searched and having your sort of your your talcum powder kind yeah. of examined for is that exact? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It is talcum. Swear. Yes. How much semtex um, are you carrying, sir? <laughs> so, okay, I've no, I've been doing some digging on your <laughs> Facebook. Okay, and you don't you, <laughs> you don't seem to be that kind of guy, really. Biggie, but biggie. a horse lover? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've been, I mean, I've always been into horses. Um, in fact, actually, I've got an amazing so farrier <laughs> called a Jeff Newman, who is an amazing character, right? If anyone's out there listening, Jeff is. He is a dude. Man. This is a dude, one of the best guys I've ever met, and it's only recently that I've met him. Um, no, the, the, I was I was into horse. I've always been into animals anyway. You know, like I'm an animal, I'm an animal kind of like conservationist. I'm, you know, I'm all about basically animal welfare. Um, but yeah, um, I when we were, when I was out on tour, if I was out on tour like in the Middle East or whatever, 
if I had a day off, you know, the first thing I want to do is like, I don't know, hit the pyramids and get a, jump on a horse and go and ride around the pyramids and out in the desert and just, you know, literally just kind of go crazy. When I was in Central America, you know, first thing I'd do is hire a horse and go mm. and see whatever I want to see on horseback around the pyramids or whatever. Or, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, so just horses for me was just like a great way of actually getting out the back. And seeing things that you might not see if you were just kind of, you know, in a car being sort of chauffeur driven around the joint. So, so basically, yeah, I had this love of horses and then I met, I met this, my girl at the moment called Jo and she is a complete lunatic horse girl. Uh, and I made the mistake of sort of saying, um, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we went riding? And we went riding and then she decided that that was it. She was going to have another horse. And then that, you know, we ended up. Yeah, I couldn't stop her. Once she got the first horse, then that was it. She was just, you know, basically game on. And she's like, oh, I've seen another horse. I was like, I don't care if you've seen another horse. We're not getting another horse. And then literally that night, we've got another horse. It's incredible how she does it. Do you know what I mean? And uh, thank God she's not into cars like she is in horses. We've had like we'd have a car, we'd have a car on it parked all the, we'd have cars all down, all the way down the lane. But no, like, I mean, so yeah, and then. Obviously, as the horses kind of like we got the first two and uh, and then I just thought, wow, this is quite amazing because you've the freedom that you get to be able to just ride out the back. And we're in a very, very privileged kind of area where we are, where there's some amazing riding, a lot of farms around where we are. Um, so, yeah, I, I you know, just got into looking after them and, and they, they you know what? They give you so much. Horses give you so much in terms of sort of like, you know, being able to meditate and sort of totally forget the world when you're with a horse and you're just in the stable with a horse just grooming or grooming them and just you know you kind of you i go into a trance with it and it's a just a way of just switching off the world and then when you you know the privilege that you get when you're actually able to work with a horse and school a horse and ride you know it's a real buzz so yeah i'd say it is you know it's um it's just like i'm passionate about i'm passionate about horses man yeah definitely but how did you get into being horsey? Well, like I say, you know, that's it from just being on tour and then Joe being the mad horse lover that she is. Um, so, yeah, we ended up getting, you know, we just last year, two years ago, we got another Irish draft, beautiful boy uh, come over from Ireland. But they've all been battered, mate. And so, you know, our job is about mm. our, our whole job is about animal sanctuary and about looking yeah. after rehabilitating yeah. them and not just carrying on the abuse. You know what I'm saying? Turning your life back to music, you play a mean piano. Yeah, I do play a bit of piano. I've got it actually switched off at the moment, but yeah, I do play a bit of piano. Um, it will come on in a second. Uh, yeah, I play a bit of piano. I play uh, guitar. You know, I can pretty much get find my way around a lot, most instruments. Um, but yeah, I'm not very good at any of it really. I'm just a, I'm just a bit of a, a songwriter really. That's my core kind of thing. I can you know I think I can write a tune. Well, I find that your your you know abilities saying? with with music is astounding, um, and you certainly do play a mean piano from what I've seen. Oh, thank you very much. We're going to play now your first song being Rocksteady. Okay.
Okay, Rocksteady by Dara. Yeah. Dara Brady. Yeah. There's a good Irish Catholic name there. Yeah, I was born in Dublin. You wouldn't think that you're Irish because no, you don't sound Irish at all. I know. That's because we were. I was brought up in England, and um, yeah, you know, the height of the troubles and all that. Um, yeah, it was it was safer to be over here, really. So my dad basically moved back. It's a long story, but yeah, my dad moved back from. He was originally sort of like schooled in the UK, but then went back to Ireland, and then having he had an English accent, which wasn't the greatest idea in the 70s to have an English accent in Ireland at that point so we came back to England which broke his heart because he really saw himself as an Irishman you know what I mean but it was just too it was too dangerous at that point so yeah we came came back to England and as I say the rest is kind of history and uh, you know I grew up with an English accent which is uh, which is kind of cool I mean as I say I've, you know this England's been good to us so you know I've got no complaints mate do you know what I'm saying now I've listened to your your songs and they are they are very meaningful and they have certainly carried certain messages across. But the messages are so powerful in there. I mean, all your songs. I mean, especially the your your latest one, Whiskey and Honey. It's very dark. It's very dark. Um, right. If you actually listen to the lyrics, it's like someone is about to commit suicide. Yeah. Am I am I getting the wrong feel of it? Here? Because <laughs> okay. It's like someone is, is, is yearned for something for so long and um, suddenly they've, they've realised that they can't <laughs> okay, have right. what they've wanted. Uh, and now suddenly would, would... their whole life is, is like an illusion. They've lost everything. So where does that person go from here? You know, can he survive or is he about to uh, yeah. border on the brink of, you know, of losing his life? What you've kind of uh, suggested there is very ba- is, is you know very close to to where that character is at. Whiskey really was written about people that give up on their on on real love, you know, and and think that 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 love can be traded for you know for a neon kind of reality uh, of kind of you know sex, drugs, and rock and roll, if you like. And in the end, you realise that actually that whole that kind of um, decision is a decision that actually cuts a hole straight in your heart and becomes, you know, your life becomes very, very hollow as a result of that. Um, and so the character basically is lamenting for a life that he basically gave up on. Um, and I leave it up to the listener, really, of whether he finds reprieve or whether he decides that it is the end game. But I think, you know, it, it really is about not giving up on the people that really love you in your life, that you cherish that with everything that you can, because uh, when you don't have that in your life, when you don't have love in your life, you've got nothing. You can have all the money in the world, but if you haven't got true people around you, particularly in this time that we're living in, if you don't have people around you that truly love you and you know you can trust them, then you're in big trouble, quite frankly. Um, and so, yeah, Whiskey and Honey is about that. Is He ends up basically, you know, just realizing what a big mistake he made and all he has is this is the kind of the escapism of of this neon fantasy that he's created for himself and um you know i've bec- i kind of you know i kind of related to that mm. character because i've kind of done it myself in my time do you know what i mean of giving up on on things because it got a little hard or whatever and there was a ch- there was a choice of kind of you know 
just having more of a kind of easier life do you know what I mean but then looking back on it and going you know what I kind of like that was a mistake to do that you know what I'm saying to, to, to let that situation go and for an easier option so yeah whiskey and honey is all about basically holding on to holding on to what's real in your life absolutely bang on check check this is dara coming through live on the air for you about to drop a new single called whiskey and honey check this
Okay, that was Whiskey and Honey. This is a, an exclusive interview with Dara. Now, Dara, you've got other singles like Back From The Brink, The Night Stepper. Now, I love that. Brilliant. Because I listened to the Sexy Beast version. <laughs> and that is awesome. That really is awesome. Um, where do you get your inspirations from? Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like our new kind of normal, really, was about, you know... Um, telling some stories on that record and um but i think you know where we're sort of like i kind of because i'm so into my melodies as well as i am into my to my characters i can sweeten pretty dark subjects up with the melody that could be really quite soulful do you know what i mean and so listen to it and go oh that's a nice tune do you know what i mean but then when you start digging into the depth of it you'll find that there's a there's a subliminal storyline going on um, and so that just gives the, the material like, more of a dimension to it that becomes more interesting. So you can come back to that and go, yeah, that's not just like, I don't know, some track that you've heard on the radio today that you just think, oh, yeah, that sounded really cool. But there's nothing, there's, you know, there's nothing there to draw you back. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's, you know, like I said to you before about being, you know, you know, the, for me, there's no point in making records that don't say something. Do you know what I mean? Uh, what's the point you know I, you know there's no point in me banging out another another record that sounds like a million other records so i've got to try and think about how you know what am i going to produce that i've not done before and that but funny. as much as you say you want to think do you know what? i can't listen to this but the music just keeps you hooked in there which is which is absolutely brilliant well i think where where i came out of was basically sort of like i grew up listening to sort of like the classic kind of like British rock from the 60s, the small faces um, introduced by people like Paul Weller, you know, and the jam. So, again, that's where that's where sort of like I kind of like listening to say, I don't know, the like, um, you know, going underground, for instance, which to me is like the perfect one of the most perfect records ever made, because it really does say everything in in sort of like three and a half minutes. Uh, but yeah, and it's got an amazing melody structure, an amazing vibe about it. So I just kind of thought that records really should do that. They should basically hit you and be powerful, but also have a kind of like a message there as well. Not like a preachy message, but a storyline that you can you can dig into. Um, so, yeah, so that's really sort of like where where I'm at in terms of sort of like if I'm trying to produce something or try and write something that, you know, it, it has to kind of it has to kind of have some sort of a. Uh, vibe about but so i come out of the rock kind of vibe got into kind of reggae as well tail end of the 80s then then house music kind of broke and that's where that's when i first got signed you see sort of like because house was house had a lot of things in it that i really loved at the time you know there was the sort of philly strings and the sort of the, the gospel vocals and the kind of you know the that four on the floor kind of motown beat thing going on so it just had a lot of things in there. So I got into house quite big, uh, early 90s, you know what I mean? And I loved a lot of the production. And then when I went to see sort of bands like, I don't know, don't, if anyone's listening to this, but like, you know, when I went to see bands like the Happy Mondays, which I thought they would really have that kind of crossover between the rock and the dance, and they did. But I didn't think anyone really nailed that sound up until, you know, I think that what we produced on New Kind of Normal really like Night Stepper for me is like the perfect mix between rock and, and, and dance music. 
And so that's what me and Harvey Summers is like, like, like I work with. Um, you know, that's what we were attempting to do because we were both from the same school of like rock and roll and dance music. So we created this whole vibe called Rock, rock Step, which is what you're hearing on that album is what we call Rock Step. And uh, and that's what so that's what we do. But then, you know, we kind of we ended that album on a track called Lights, which then we moved into a whole different genre vibe again which I call Gothic Soul, which then presents itself on, on Whiskey and Honey. With, you know, it's, we call that Gothic Soul music, do you know what I mean? And then, you know, now we're coming out of that and moving into di just creating different things by mixing and merging, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the song I've got that I might get a chance to maybe perform for you guys as an exclusive, um, you know, the song that we've just done, I've just done for the NHS, stand up for the heroes you know that's something else again so you know i'm all about doing that you know what i mean changing things up and moving things around you know what I mean? your third song that you sent to me was the, the the lights dark night tell me about that what inspired you and how how did that all come about so the lights really was inspired by this um when robin williams committed suicide that is the one song that is actually about suicide on that album and robin williams i just because I was a big fan of Robin Williams. I just thought he was like such a light in a very dark world. And for him to commit suicide and be on his own, end up being on his own in his final moment, when he'd given so much joy to so many people, I just found it an absolute tragedy that that happened. And so I wrote lights about him, about, but it's about him, but it's also about hopefully sort of like, in that dark moment where you feel that suicide is the only option, but I pray that there's someone there for you that, that actually lifts your spirit and doesn't let the lights go out for that character. So in that lyric, you go, don't let the lights go out on me. Somebody's sort of going, please, somebody just give me a reason to stay here. That's what that song is about. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, you know, and, because it's such a sad thing, you know, when, when somebody's reached that point where they go, I can't go on anymore, man. Do you know what I mean? Because everything's basically just not, it's just, it is just too painful for people to kind of want to carry on. And I just think that if somebody could just kind of go, listen, have you thought about maybe this? Have, and just give that person an option in that one moment, in that dark moment, that you give that one person that option to say, what if you thought about it like this? And what if we tried that? How different would that make you feel like now? And then with that, in that moment, if you could just kind of stop the mind from going down the dark route, you've got a chance then to maybe bring that person, you know, and, and hopefully keep the lights on for them. So it's, 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 a, it's kind of like about mental health. And, um, and it's, you know, as I say, um, it's a sad, as I say, that's one of the most saddest songs I think on that on that album. Although the the mix I put on the EP is a remix, uh, there's a longer version on the actual album. Um, and yeah, so it's but there's a there's a there's hope in the song. I think you know, although a lot of the subjects are kind of you know maybe slightly darker than you'd probably get on mainstream radio. I've always there's always a sort of a little bit of hope at the end of it. I'm never going to be like you know there's you know it's all doom and gloom i'm always going to try and put some sort of positivity if you go back to what i did with uh the, that first record reach out for instance we put out with chrysalis you know that record is again it's all about basically sort of like not allowing other people to say that you're no good 
you know, and that you can't, you know, who who do you think you are? Someone says that to you, who do you think you are? And you say, I'm me and I'm going to express what I feel, you know, and you do not let that per another person, whoever it be, stop you from being who you want to be. So even at the age of 19, whenever I wrote that lyric, I've always had that in mind. Do you know what I'm saying? That there's got to be a message there. And it's about I've always been about uplifting. I don't want to put I don't want to give you no options at the end of it. So you just think life is basically, you know, hard and harsh and this, that and the other. It is. But there are there are ways that if we come together and, it, and it's, it's bound for this moment in time that if we come together, we can actually make great things happen.
about this haunted castle that you was at? Well, Joe and myself have kind of got a, a bit of a kind of love for all things that kind of like, you know, are otherworldly, if you like. And so we, we do these little kind of um, <laughs> little jaunts out to places where we kind of heard that it might be a bit might be a bit of paranormal kind of activity going on. Uh, and Joe, you know, some people will believe it, some people won't. But she has got an ability to sort of tune in to whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, I've wrote, I wrote a book called Road Tales, which and there's, you know, it, it's about different characters I've met while I was on the road. And but I'm asking questions about sort of like what is certain things that we take for sort of like whether we believe it or not. You know what I mean? And one of the chapters is about a, a woman who can who can tune in and who's a psychic and. And sort of, you know, I, I'm kind of fascinated about what that is. So Joe has this ability to do that. Uh, and so, yeah, we go, we just find these places that we think might be haunted and uh, go and stay there and see if we can kind of get a bit of a bit of some messages from the great beyond, as it were. Do you know what I mean? And we have a bit of fun. We went to a place down in um, Somerset, uh, which was originally Jane Seymour's family home and yeah, Henry VIII had sort of, you know, obviously when he was courting her, had stayed there, and it's now a sort of, uh, it's a, it's a five-star kind of hotel, but they've kept the original kind of element of it, and there was just, yeah, was phenomenal kind of stuff that that she was picking up on, just, uh, you know, various different characters that. You just don't, you know. I don't know where she gets it from. Do you know what I'm saying? One time she's, we come, we booked into a place, and you know they have like a, a, a history of the, a history of the of the building and who's lived there, and she hadn't seen that, and we we basically booked him. We were in the room, and she picked up on on, on this name, went down like the next day. We we're looking through the book. Boom, that name was there. Yeah, yeah, and and you're sort of going bloody hell, Joe. You definitely got it going on. Do you know what I mean? So. So it's just a bit of kind of, you know, whatever you want to say. I don't, you know, it's just interesting, interesting, a bit of fun. So, yeah, and um, I get inspired as well from being in places like that because there's so much energy in there and so much history. And, you know, it sort of inspires me to write sort of stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah, I love I love a bit of that action. I'd love to do a paranormal show. And, and yeah, definitely. And, and but be the sort of the the kind of voice of reason of like, is this real or, you know, what is actually going on here rather than sort of going, oh, my God, oh, my God, and even like on those sides, they're just like, oh, shut up, mate, do you know what I mean? So you hear, oh, did you hear that? No, I didn't. I didn't hear that at all because you're making a bloody noise. Now, shut up. I can't hear anything. Definitely being the sort of more sceptic, shall we say, more the sort of like, you know, I'll, I'll err on the court, side of caution whether I'm going to sort of say whether there's anything here or not, do you know what I mean? But nine times out of ten, like, as I say, you kind of feel things. I can't explain it, but you kind of feel when something's kind of, like, in a room with you. You know, like, you you get goosebumps for a start, you know, where something, it feels like something's entered into the room, and sometimes it can feel a bit like the temperature drops. Sometimes I've actually felt my heart rate start going up as well. And it feels like something's on my, like, almost like leaning down on my chest. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, Joe, is there something in here? And she'd be like, yep. And it's right on you. Do you know what I mean? And I'd be like, ah! And then she'll, you know, she'd be able to pick up on sort of like, you know, 
who it is and what it is and what they want and where they ha- you know and they'll tell us a, it, like a backstory of what the building was about and what, what's changed and how they're unhappy Spooky. about the changes and you know what you know and it's just whether it's real or not, or whether it's just Joe's imagination, it's an, it's an amazing imagination. It's like having a movie, you being able to plug into a movie, do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as I say, it's just one of them things that we kind of like we enjoy to kind of go out and do. She can hear, I think. She see, well, when I say she can't see him, she, she can get, she gets pictures. It's like pictures in her mind. And she'll go, do you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like psychics work. She'll just go, do you know, da da da, and I'm like, mm, I don't know, do you know what I mean? And then she'll go on, oh, he's wearing this, or you know. So she definitely gets pictures, and then she'll get messages, and and you know, sometimes she's picked up on family members, do you know what I mean, that have passed on, um, and that's. I'm thinking, how would you know that I had an auntie Sheila, for instance? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just I never told her, but yet she's gone. I've got an auntie Sheila here who's got a message from you, or you know. Uncle Richard or whatever, do you know what I mean? Like that, that, and it's just like I don't know how she does it. I think she's a bit sort of like wary of it herself. That like sometimes, sometimes she finds it really exhausting, like it drains her, and I just think she finds it it can be a bit too much. So a lot of the time she sort of tries to switch off from it because like she'll feel things in the house now. Like I say, God, do you feel that? And she'd be like, Yeah, something's here, and I'd be like, What is it? And she'd go, I don't want to, I just don't want to tune into it because I can't. I don't want to, I'm, you know, particularly at the moment where there's just so much stuff going on, do you know what I mean? She doesn't want to check into any of it at the moment because it's a heavy period of time, do you know what I mean? So, so we're staying away from all that zone at the moment. <laughs> well, fantastic. I'd love to go on these haunted uh, castle trips. I really would. And I know for a fact my wife would as well. This is a new uh, exclusive to New Stars. This is all really just about the key workers and just saying thank you to them and uh, that they that for me they will never be forgotten because you know when they step when when it came to call they stepped up and that's what the lyrics pretty much say you know what i mean so yeah it's it, it's a tune for them really to just say thank you
sure I'm sure everyone's going to get the real vibe from that that we should be standing up for it as you should be protecting them and giving them all our support and you for one my friends you are showing your support thank you that's the least I could do when I when I've seen what what's gone on uh, in that zone particularly the NHS and the care industry you know i've seen their sacrifice um and i've seen it up close as well um and it's the least i can do to have a testament to what they've done you know just like the amazing battle of britain pilots um you know who stood up when the time came to call so the nhs and the key workers have done the guys that you know have sorted out all the bins and emptied the bins and the guys that have brought the food to the supermarkets and actually kept us safe. Um, every one of those guys, you know, that song is a dedication to. So, it's, you know, I'm a songwriter. And if I can if I can give something back and move a few people to remember them, then, you know, then I've done my job, man. That's what I do. You know, so I'm really pleased you're the first person that's actually heard it. And if this is the first that was the first time it's ever been performed. Um, so, yeah, that's an exclusive. You took the time to listen to the other songs and really get into the core of it. So I thank you very, very much for having me and, and for listening to the music, man. Well, it's a privilege. Dara, you are a new star. That was Dara. What a fantastic artist. A down-to-earth guy that produces songs about everyday life with meaning and passion. Join me next time when I talk to another new star.